how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is Ryan Staley, and I am here with Darian Michael. Darian is the co-founder and the CEO of Qualify, which is a SaaS platform that powers the fastest phone interview experience in the world and helps recruiting teams hire great candidates faster than ever before. Darian, super happy to have you on the show, man. Excited and welcome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Happy to be here. I I also forgot to mention that you are a national champion at at track (laughs) and field. So you're the first national champion that I've ever had on the show. So uh, kudos to you on that, making it happen. Um, and welcome, it. man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I always, I always um, downplay it a little bit on the on the national. Well, it is a national championship. It's in the NAIA. Um, and for context, that's a different uh, association than the NCAA. So there's different levels to it, but I'll take the I'll take the chip regardless. Well, dude, don't worry about it, man. I played football <laughs> in college, right? I played football, and I, I started, you know, before I decided to resign my my career. But I w- it wasn't Division One. It wasn't Division Two. It wasn't NAI. It was Division Three, right? Exactly. So, anyways, and I didn't win a national champion, but a national champion in any division is an amazing, it is. Um, is an amazing, amazing feat, man. So, so let's talk to you. So, can you give everyone uh, a little bit of a background about your superhero origin story, so they have a little bit more background <laughs> about you and kind of how you got to this point? Yeah. Uh, it depends on how far we want to go back. I'll try to be. I'll try to be short with it. So you don't. You don't get, need to be like Chunk and Goonies, where he's like he's talking about you know when when he was at watching the movie and there were the woman's auxiliary. Sh- Anyways, you get what I'm saying, man. So it's more more recent history is kind of what we're looking at. We don't need to go in the way back machine, but let's cool, you know more cool. recent history. Sweet deal. I'll, I'll start as it relates mostly to to qualifying what I'm doing now. Uh, if we want to go back farther, there, there's more there, obviously. But um, in terms of qualify, uh, the company that I started, I got to start this with my brother um, at first, and then we brought in a couple co-founders. But before that, I was at a, another company called Viral Launch. We were in the e-commerce space. We built software for um, Amazon sellers. So we helped them launch and grow their businesses, um, help them rank on, you know, first page for whatever product they were, you know, trying to sell, um, and, and get ranking for. And, um, we had a lot of success there. I, uh, the CEO and founder asked me to join as his employee number one, and I was the VP and mainly focused on operations. And so we went from he and I, and like I said, we, we grew pretty fast. We went from he and I to, uh, over 70 people on the team in about three years. And my responsibilities were over you know, finance, all the general legal administrative work, and then also HR and recruiting for about our first 40 hires before we hired a, a dedicated talent leader. And so uh, what we do now at Qualify, helping with the recruitment process, is a direct uh, result of the pain points that I was facing when I was kind of managing that process myself um, at a fast-growing startup. And so um, the big area for me was phone interviews. That's what we saw for at Qualify. I just saw how big of a bottleneck they were for me. Like despite them being 15 to 30-minute, you know, conversations, they were scattered throughout my calendar, kind of interrupted my workflow throughout the day. There was a lot of them. Um, and I was really repetitive, just asking the same questions over and over. So I just felt like there could be a better way for me to, you know, automate and, and offload that work and make it a little bit more pleasant, um, uh, for me, but also for the candidates and, and, and the fact that they 
are waiting around on me to, you know, set those times up with them and schedule and get back with them. And so that's why we, we, we created qualify. Okay. I, I, that's, I mean, I, I, I've done the phone screen blitz as well and it kind of sucks. So I can see why you'd want to create a solution to offload that from folks. So what is it? Is it like a video prompting of basically you asking the questions and then the candidates retain it or how does the solution work exactly? Yeah, so like the the unique factor for us compared to what typically is our competitors is more like video interviewing. Ours is audio based. And so what happens is recruiters can pre-record audio based questions into our platform. They can. So one, it's really personal. The, the candidate will ultimately hear that recruiter's voice or whoever recorded those questions, their voice. Um, and they can set those up into a structured interview so you can create a you know consistent and fair process. Um, but the, the unique part is that the interaction with the candidates takes place over a standard phone call. So uh, when the recruiter wants to screen a candidate, they'll send them an invite. The candidate will receive a text or an email saying, hey, we want to learn more about you. Um, we want you to respond to uh, this, this interview at your earliest convenience. Um, and so they click a link, read instructions, and then housed within those instructions is a field for them to enter their phone number. And then when they're ready, they do that, hit start, and then our system actually dials their phone directly. So it's a standard phone call. It's more accessible. They don't have to get dressed up and, uh, you know, go through the motions of, you know, putting this the upper half of their suit on and, um, <laughs> you know, feel awkward in front of a camera. They can just do it over a phone call. And it's very familiar, like uh, responding to voicemail. Okay. I love that, man. And so, um, like in terms of you got that cause you're trying to solve a problem. Like, so I guess like what's the outcome that it creates in terms of, you know, going that model versus the, the standard the model. Way. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that was a big thing for, for me starting out was, at first it was just like, I just need to free up some of my time. You know, I just, I have a lot that I'm juggling between, you know, finance and, and other areas of the business. And so that was for me, like what, what got me started, but I absolutely, you know, jumped in and started to work with actual recruiters, you know, actual HR professionals. There's different pain points that they've helped surface and that we've learned about. Um, I'd say the biggest one you, you mentioned it in the intro is speed. Speed is everything in the world of recruiting. Um, the easiest way to think about it is if you're trying to hire good candidates, so are other people, they're going to be off the market faster than, you know, the less than stellar candidates. And so in order for you to beat them to the punch, you have to have a fast and efficient process. And one of the biggest areas that gets overlooked, but is also the slowest aspect of the hiring process is the phone interview step. Um, it's because it's typically at the first stage of the hiring process. It's where you're dealing with the most candidates and there's so much back and forth in, in terms of uh, coordination, scheduling. And then obviously you have to have, like I said, 20, 30 minute phone calls with all of these candidates. Um, it's hard to scale that. And so um, that's what we provide is just that speed. And most candidates end up responding on the first day that they receive the invite from us, as opposed to waiting days in the future or, you know, schedules not lining up, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories just from from friends or other founders that I've interviewed, like how crazy the job market is right now mm-hmm. for for employers, right? So I can imagine it's it's got to be game busters to to be able to cycle through all that that fast and just yeah. an amazing solution. So so let's let's take a step back a little bit. So um, I know your your previous 
position, kind of like how you came when you were the the one man operations department. I think you told me, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's basically it. <laughs> and so you work for a bootstrap company and you grew that pretty big. I mean, like, what do you see were the advantages of of being at a bootstrap company? And then would love to hear what the biggest challenges were as well. Yeah, I loved being. Uh, I loved. I loved that experience. That was. In a little bit of context, the CEO at the time when we were when we were there, he was 25, I was 27, so we were a young company. This was our first, you know, I'd say real success. We were both entrepreneurs at that time. Like we were, you know, we were trying stuff. I had like a t-shirt business in college. He was a self-taught programmer and like coded up a bunch of different ideas and projects. But this was the first thing that really started to take off. Um, and so I was happy to be a part of it. I learned a ton about just what a company actually looks like. Um, but the advantages of having a bootstrap company is that this sounds a little arrogant, but like we didn't really have to answer to anybody except, you know, building what we wanted to for our customers. And, and we were able to really uh, guide the company in the in the direction that we thought was best. Um, and that actually kind of shifted towards the end. We were bootstrapped for the majority of my time there, which was about three years. And then towards the end of that time, we started to bring on investment um, because we we saw a really big opportunity in the Amazon space. Obviously it's huge. Like, uh, there's, there's no questioning that. So we really wanted to go after this market and we were growing really fast, but that definitely changed the dynamics of the company, um, where our priorities had to go, how we thought about growing the company. Um, and so, um, led to a lot of different hurdles in different ways. And so, um, but in terms of the advantages, I definitely think it's being more in tune with, your customers are not necessarily more, but the opportunity to really uh, drive the ship how how you truly think is best, and, and not having to uh, be obligated to a lot of other out exterior you know factors um, that that can come about. That's not to say investors aren't you know investors are bad, um, but they definitely bring a different dynamic into the room, and so um, I think that was one of the fun things about being a part of a, a bootstrap company. Yeah, I, I mean, like I'm smiling right now because I lived that experience as yeah. well, not as a founder, but as a revenue leader, even as a, a rep and then as a revenue leader. And so, you know, kind of where I'm at right now is I, I, I want to bootstrap um, for a while and, and reevaluate my decisions because same thing, man, it completely changed the dynamic of the company. Oh, yeah. And like I've answered to someone my entire career, so I don't want to answer to someone right now. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know for, I mean? sure. for sure. For so, sure. Um, and I can see how it would shift your your priorities and your focus areas and and things along those lines. So that's a great call out on your yeah. part. So I'd say I'd say the other piece too um, was uh, we were lucky to like really grow revenue at a at a decent pace, but also it made us be a little bit more conscious of how we were spending money too um, because we we could only hire and only you know invest as much as our, our revenue and, um, net income allowed. And so I think it created a, a function where we not necessarily were more conservative, but it's like potentially more, more thoughtful on how we, we spend our money too. So that's another piece. I can see that. I can totally see that. So, so let's talk about qualify right now. So as, as you're going through and, and doing this, like what's the biggest challenge that you're running into now? Cause I know you, you founded the company, in March of 2019. So, you know, you're 
now what almost three years into this um mm -hmm. um so actually no over three years three and a half years into it right so yeah, um yes, yeah. <laughs> wait yeah that's right well, two, I, I think it's two, two and some change two and some change yeah yeah two and some change i'm sorry almost three years I mean, clearly it's it's early in the morning i got the lawnmower guys outside cutting so i'm a little <laughs> distracted my math isn't as bad as good as it normally is so so anyways now now that you're two and a half years or into this like what's your 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 single biggest challenge that you're running into now as a founder and then how are you trying to overcome it yeah um it's funny this might be more this the most pressing challenge or more recent challenge i would say is um and and some of that comes along with like the nature of being a venture-backed company like like we are now is just really emphasizing growth and how we attain that growth every company is trying to grow right um what i've talked with talked about with our founders with our team really is um i've kind of forecasted out and i think we can hit all of our numbers and they're they're solid numbers um but then us being venture backed it's uh in my mind it's not growth at all costs like a lot of venture backed companies but i definitely think we can be more aggressive in certain areas and so i'm trying to figure out where where are the best areas for us to invest in ourselves as as a company, uh, is that more sales or is that, you know, investing in sales, marketing, or, you know, our product and engineering side, all of the above, or how do we, you know, where are the best places to allocate, you know, the, the funding that, you know, we're, we're able to bring in. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenge areas. And then, um, just mapping out what that strategy is. I'm still, you know, relatively young. I'm, 31 now like I, I feel probably older than that number suggests but um still learning uh what it takes to to lead a, a growing company i think we've done a really good job so far but setting structure setting um you know rhythms in the company how we set our objectives and how we keep ourselves accountable to those i think that's personally one of the the bigger challenging areas for me right now is how to do that effectively how to lead effectively um, and so, uh, it's an area of opportunity that I'm excited about though, cause it's my favorite, one of my favorite parts of, you know, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's cool trying to figure that out, but yeah, it, it's sometimes tough, right? How do you, how do you allocate not just money, but time and focus and energy, yeah. right? And like, what's, what's the key areas that are going to really move the needle? And then like, how do you create that sustainable system? Yeah. So, so yeah, my, I mean, what's that? I was going to say my, my thought recently and I still need to share this with the team. It's been brought up in our like product uh, strategy discussions. It's just being like ruthless about what we are or not doing. Um, I'm trying to think of like good analogies, but the one that keeps coming to my head is like being like a rifle bullet as opposed to like a you know shotgun and spraying sniper over uh, shotgun, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, I'm trying to figure out what are the what are the things that we need to cut back on. Like, why are we doing certain things and questioning? all of our assumptions and just making sure that we are laser focused on you know, the things that actually matter. And so that part is tough. Cause like, there's so many things that we want to do and things that like we, everyone should be doing to some degree, you know, if you're a SaaS company, yeah, you should market this way, but like why, and like, what is our goal and staying, staying in tune with that. Well, what, what is your, your go to market growth model? Are you product led growth, marketing led growth, sales, sales led growth? Like how do you, I guess like what's your go to market strategy? Yeah. It's funny at first, like when we first got started, 
I had all these dreams of being a product-led growth company. Like, uh, I feel like it's a really, really hot, maybe even buzzword. Sexy yeah, right now. Exactly. It's a hot chick at the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I thought we could be that because we all, we have all these touch points within the product. Obviously, recruiters use it. Recruiters have, like, communities that they're in and then candidates. And, like, we, we get to touch so many different candidates. And I was like, we can there's, – there's ways that we can create some, like, viral components that, like, help us grow. And I still believe that, but truthfully, um, just the way that recruiters and HR leaders buy technology is is more oriented towards sales. So so far, we've mostly done like outbound sales, um, and so it's, uh, and it, we're still ramping that up. So sales led, but I, I see a really big opportunity from a marketing standpoint because what we do is pretty unique and new in the market. We're usually the first ones that are introducing this product to our customers. And so we have this opportunity, these first mover type advantages that that we can take advantage of. And for that reason, I wanna incorporate more and, and push more of the marketing piece to help influence um, our sales efforts as well. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's there's a, it's so funny. With every go-to-market strategy, there's a different siren song that that's sung right in terms of like oh this is the best way to do it or yeah you know and then like it's so funny because like i'll put sometimes i'll put like strategies out there that i know like crush it but people just love the tactics yeah. like and if you go from the bottom up it doesn't work the same way as if you work from the principles down right so it's like yeah principles strategy then then execution right a lot of yeah. people want like tactical execution the thing then like, strategy the email i need to write yeah, yeah and then they <laughs> wonder why they're spending their time on like 15 different things because it's like you're just so dispersed because you're reacting to everything in the world of like oh product like gross oh marketing just do this just do webinars just do this th-. you know yeah. so it sucks you in um so yeah that's something that that a lot of early stage founders struggle with i would tell you so yeah um and i can so yeah to there, there was a um i actually read nathan Lacka's book and he kind of the way he positioned it is like for revenue, he's like have three streams. Um, he goes, but but you have different like focus allocations. So he's like your golden goose is like sixty percent of your time, twenty percent of your time is on you know B, and the other twenty percent of your time is on C. When you're looking at it in terms of allocation focus, how you're generating like revenue? Exactly, yeah. Um, so because uh, he's like a lot of times you get byproducts as a result of like one thing you're doing that'll lead to others. So, right. so I thought it was a pretty cool take on it. Um, so what, what would you say Darian is like your ninja skill when it comes to growing a company, um, leading a company, like growing revenue, what would you say is your ninja skill? Yeah, I'd say it's probably a couple of different things. The one thing that I, I like to hang my hat on is that, uh, I'm an ideas person in, in terms of like qualify is, an idea and I, I love uh i think i can uniquely see into problem spaces and think of solutions for them beyond that it, then it becomes like collaborating so i think i'm really good at identifying problems and, and seeing the, the solutions that are possible within them and then bringing people in and like kind of telling the vision and getting people to also see what i see uh, and so i that that's the most fun piece to me i love I love that aspect of it, especially in the early days where everyone's doing this for free and you're, you know, like you're just getting people to rally behind that vision. Uh, and so that's, that's one of my favorite pieces. The other piece is I'm pretty versatile. Um, I can, uh, 
I can't jump into everything and be a, a expert at it, but I can jump into a lot of things and help get them off the ground and, and then be able to hand it off to someone. So for instance, before this, I had no sales experience and, um, that was a, something that I had to learn to do. Um, but got that motion, you know, started along with my brother, um, and we're able to start, you know, we, we were able to bring on customers and, and, and help, uh, help set the stage for our, our new salespeople, um, to come into, you know, come into the company and, and be able to execute on it. And so that's just one example, but yeah, I'm a, I'm an ops person. So I like to hop into different, different places and, um, be, be useful. Okay. Well, let's, let's go deeper on the, the problem, you know, identifying the unique problems in the spaces. Cause I think that's great. I think a lot of, a lot of folks struggle with that. So like, what's the, the, when you're looking at it, like, what do you have to believe like in your head to start down that process? So let's start with like the beliefs first. Like what do you yeah. have to believe to, to start to tackle that problem? And you're saying like, if I step back to before qualified, I started like, what was the problem that I saw that, that I yeah, had let's, to, like, let's use that like, perfect. Like for creating yeah. your company, like what was the problem that you saw at that stage? And then like, what did you, cause it's like, if you look at like modeling, right, it's, it's mm-hmm. belief, it's, syntax and then it's like the actual act right so it's yeah. like what do you believe what's the order you do it in, and then how do you do it so let's take that model for you so what did you have to believe when you were looking at like trying to solve that not just about the solution but about you and about the market and everything yeah i'll say like one this was a couple years ago and obviously i'm still growing as an entrepreneur but i would say there's things that i was convicted about that aren't necessary that don't necessarily have to be true in order for you to like have a um an idea that's worth going after but for me it was like just experiencing this pain point for myself so that that i would be my first customer i know that's not the, always the best um actually i've heard conflicting arguments around you know that uh, in terms of starting idea because you have to like validate that outside of yourself um but for me it was yeah like this is a real problem for me like i know this this is a problem for other people as well and then this is the other one that is, doesn't have to be true but was true for me was that um i'm a fan of like i subscribe to product hunt i'm a fan of like researching and finding new tools and solutions and i couldn't find mm-hmm. anything out there that was solving this problem in the way that i envisioned it and so i was like it seems like a real you know unique opportunity for us to go go do this and and be one of the first people to actually you know, put a solution out in the market. And so that, that same notion still drives us in, in a way, because right now the goal for us is to really be a category and market leader for phone interviewing technology. And, um, there is a real opportunity for us to do that. We do have competitors, both the video, um, folks that I've mentioned, and there's folks that do things with phone and audio as well. But, um, like I mentioned, we're usually the first ones introducing this to our customers. And so we have that, that opportunity for us to, to go and achieve that. Okay. So I, I think that's, that's solid. Okay. And then, so once you did that, you looked at product hunt, you realized, Hey, there's nothing here. <laughs> then how did you kind of take it to the next level and be like, okay, there's a problem. I know it cause I lived it and it sucks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's nothing out in the marketplace. And then how did you take it to the next stage the next in terms level. of creating something? 
Yeah, so this was still when I was at Viral Launch. I was just like a side project. I talked to um, actually one of my coworkers. I think he was one of the first people that I brought it to because he was one of the best developers I know. I was like, how would you go about... This was during a time when I thought that I was going to learn how to code. So I was like, this might be my project that I learned how to code on. Did not happen. Uh, but I talked to him about, you know, how would you get this started? And he gave me some like direction and whatnot. Um, but ultimately, it was really just like getting my getting the ideas out of my head and on paper in different ways. So one, it's like actually like just writing out like what this, like what the problem is, like what this is going to solve and like more details about that. And then also sketching up, you know, literally sketching up what this could look like. Um, and at first it was actually going to be a mobile app first. Um, Cause I ha- had more of a vision for it to be a, like a podcast for interviewing. And mm-hmm. uh, we still, we still, plan on doing that at some point in the future but um yeah so start off with these like you know low fidelity sketches eventually some things that like i think it's envision or marvel uh, that you can prototype stuff in but with paper and like some very simple sketches started like talking with you know who i thought could be potential customers and just getting their feedback um and seeing seeing if there was anything there um and so for a while that's what Devin, my brother and i uh, we're doing because we're both not technical. Um, we were just trying to get validation, um, in, in different ways and get someone to get the belief that we could take to get funding or get other people to believe in and and start to build it out. And, um, so that was like the first step. And ultimately we decided that it is something that people have to, in some ways experience in order to get like true, validation around it because it was unique and a little new and so and that's when we started to talk to who are our co-founders now on the technical side about just getting like a, a a minimum you know an mvp to like relay like what i used to refer to as like closing the loop like can we record audio send it to somebody they record it send it back and we review it that's what we wanted to get done um and and that's kind of the and it just kind of evolved from there so how did you find your technical co-founders then? <laughs> the so this question comes all, up all the time. People are like, all right, I'm I'm non-technical. How do I find my technical co-founder? I'm technical. How do I find my marketing and sales engine? You know what I mean? So yeah. would love this to hear. This may or may you... not help anybody. So like <laughs> obviously my brother and I are, are were the first people in on Qualify. Uh, so we've known each other since birth uh, or since he was right. born. And then um in chronological order, the next person that we brought on um, is Keenan. He's now our VP of product. Um, and I honestly just found him on LinkedIn. <laughs> like that's the God's honest truth. And we got super lucky um, because uh, I think we had somebody that was helping us like code some things. And so we knew a little bit of like the technologies that were involved. And so I put those in a search for, you know, Indianapolis area software developers that had these like skills in their profile and he was one of those that popped up and he was the only one that responded and we got coffee and um surprisingly he he was down to start working with us because he is way more qualified than um than probably made sense at the time uh for us to you know for him to be willing to do this for free and so uh like i said we got super lucky there and then the last one in, in order of um, how he like timing of when he came on board is Deshaun Prentice. He's our VP of engineering and um, he's actually 
Devin, my brother's, uh, is a previous co-founder with my brother and they had a food truck while they were in college and also his uh, teammate while they're at Indiana state and their roommates and whatnot. And so, uh, really close connection. He's actually not even a, he didn't study computer science. He actually is a business major and taught himself how to, uh, code and, and program. And, um, yeah, it's been, been awesome having, having them all and working with it's them. It's awesome, man. It's a great story. Um, so I guess like we're, we're just about up on time. So, um, I guess like, my final question for you is, you know, knowing everything that you know now after bootstrapping a company um, with another, you know, founder or being one of the early employees and then also going through venture funding this time, mm-hmm. what would you do different knowing what you know now if you had to start all over again? That's a good question. I think there's a, a, a lot. So I would say from our bootstrapping time, again, we were young, younger. Um, but we really knew our market. And I think where we failed, um, with that is that we didn't trust ourselves when we started to bring it, we started to like lean on, uh, the advice of like, what became the board investors and like other leadership that had like, uh, been there and done that. Uh, but we, we, I think, uh, especially our founder, he really knew the space that we were in. And so he, I think balancing the advice that you're getting with, what you know about your customers and not um, being persuaded elsewhere. In terms of bootstrapping versus um, venture funding, I think it's worthwhile to, you know, for me it has been to experience both. Um, I think bootstrapping was really fun and I wanted to do something that was venture backed uh, because I wanted that experience and be able to like create those connections and be able to um, achieve achieve that growth with, with funding. But I think I do want to do bootstrapping again as well. Um, my hope is that each each one of the companies that I'm a part of is like a, a stepping stone and a, a learnings that I can you know take to the next level and hopefully have you know a lot of success with this, a good you know good outcome, and I don't have to you know ask other people for money and I can kind of just do it on my own and spin up my own ideas, you know at my at my own at my own pace. Um, but yeah, I think those are those are kind of the takeaways for me. Excellent, man. Well, it was it was a pleasure here having you on the show, hearing your stories. Um, I think there's a lot of cool things that that you you've done and persevered, and to be a two time founder at the age of well, I'm sorry, not a two time founder. Um, I basically, kind of. gone, <laughs> I had like a co founder type with, role. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, at the age of of 31 is amazing. So, where can people find about you out about you more and about qualify more if they want to use it? So they don't have to go through the the soul crushing experience of hours and hours and hours of uh, phone interviews. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a special code uh, just for the listeners here today. It's qualify.info slash scale up um, and qualify is spelled with an I instead of a Y. So Q-U-A-L-I-F-I dot info slash scale up. And then if you want to find me, uh, pretty easy just search my name in linkedin that's probably the easiest place and where i'm most active um would love to connect with you there excellent well thank you for having for being on the show darian and then i'll also have that in the show notes for you the listeners so you can check that out so it was awesome having you on and uh, i look forward to seeing you on the next episode yeah appreciate it thanks for having me thank you for checking out the scale up show 
My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.